All right, Dave. I think uh, ready to roll here. Just take off the, I think the microphone mute. Hey, Steve. Hey, buddy. Awesome. Hey, how are you? I'm well. Uh, good to meet you. Appreciate you uh, coming on here as a. Yeah. I know that you're a pretty pretty busy guy, and I guess we'll we'll kind of jump into things. Um, I guess main thing we'll talk about through the businesses that you've been able to you know successfully you know co-found, start, and then end up selling. Um, and you know the journey is is always the the, the story is, is usually the best part. Um, so I'd love to kind of hear you know what made yeah, you an sure. entrepreneur in the beginning? What's your background a little bit? And then we'll kind of dive into a little bit into each business. I know we don't have too much time. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, we're, we're, you're, you're Canadian. Where, where are you originally from? Yeah, I'm Canadian. I'm from just outside of Toronto. And uh, now I live in South Carolina, actually in, in the U S what, how did you get, uh, how'd you get there? <laughs> I traveled around quite a bit in uh, in my kind of a, for the first part of my career, and every time I came to um, Charleston, South Carolina, I was like, "This is, I think, the nicest city in America." And then uh, my wife and I ended up moving here about four years ago, and, and we absolutely love it. So it's been uh, it's been great. I don't miss the cold Canadian winters either. You know, I've heard. Uh, Charleston. I've, been, I've never been there, but I've heard it's been. It's I heard it's a great place. Um, I have a yeah, it's brother incredible. who's a, a doctor out there. Yeah. So yeah. tell me now. You were educated in Canada, but then, you know, I think at least on the LinkedIn, how do you get into? I mean, your first bit. You know, your first uh, you know job and like. Tell me a little bit about like. I guess the background and how you started. Yeah. Yeah. So, so long story short, when I went to university, I thought I wanted to get into accounting and was in business school, went through, uh, you know, first year, second year, then started taking some actual like hardcore accounting classes. And I was like, this sucks. This is not for me. Um, and around that same time, I met uh, some guys and girls that were part of this organization um, that basically did like entrepreneurial type ventures, both for, you know, to make money and to, you know, just kind of like do some good around the community. And that's basically what got me, um, kind of dipped by the entrepreneurial bug. So, you know, it's a, it's a long story, but basically I started doing things, you know, with this group while I was in school, I ended up meeting a guy through that group, um, who he was starting, basically a enterprise software company in the insurance industry. And he says, Hey, we're building this company. Come work with me. And I said, Terry, I know nothing mm -hmm. about software and I know nothing about insurance. Uh, he says, don't worry, you can figure it out. And so basically joined him and, you know, a handful of other people. We started this um, basically enterprise software company that sold these big, you know, software solutions to insurance carriers. Um, had a good ride there. You know, we grew the company at one point, we were like over a hundred people um, I got kind of a little bit tired of being in a business that size. And so essentially mm -hmm. what, what myself and two other fellows that were in the company did was we said, Hey, to, you know, Terry, who's the guy that started the, you know, started with him. Um, he was kind of the, the main guy behind the company. We said, look, we have this small little product here. We want to take that and, and start a whole new entity. 
Um, and basically three of us went off, took this little product that basically did, you know, um, very simply, you know, to explain it very simply, like inspections and audits for insurance carriers. And we went out, started a new company and basically took that business and grew it, you know, to, um, you know, by the time I kind of exited that company back in like 2017, we were about 25 people, you know, really solid business, recurring revenue, kind of SaaS business. Um, and really at the time I was like, I'm ready for a new challenge here. I've been in the insurance space for 14 years. It moves really slow. And I was just, you know, from, from my perspective, if I'm not learning, you know, I'm just not happy. So basically, um, you kind of negotiated with those guys a, a good exit. Um, and then I said to my wife, you know, let's go down to, you know, let's go down to Charleston. That was the time we were going to move. And we kind of stayed there for a, a few months. And my intention was to take, you know, six months off, um, you know, take some time, think about what's next. Lasted about two weeks before I started driving her nuts, you know, being around the house, driving myself nuts, not being productive started helping some friends out um, in their businesses, just kind of like, you know, pro bono. Hey, I can help you guys. Um, I actually did a stint at um, Canada's largest um, uh, startup accelerator. It's based out of one of the, the university campuses in Toronto. That was great. Yeah. It's called the DMZ. It's part of. Ryerson I saw the DMZ. It's, um, yeah. Phenomenal um, program they have there. And, and basically there's, you know, at any given time there's, I forget how many, probably, you know, 30 to 50 companies in there. And basically my role there was because my background is in, you know, sales and, you know, kind of growing companies. I'd go in, I'd sit there all day. Companies would come in for an hour and go, Hey, here's our problem. And like 80% of the time, the problem was they didn't know how to sell. Um, so I would kind of mentor, mentor them in terms of like, guys, oh, you know, here's, you got a great 100%. product, great products don't sell themselves. You know, you got to get out there, put a process together, go to market. And basically, you know, that was, it was a lot of fun. And, um, you know, spent a, a six months kind of stint there. And at the same time, I was thinking about what's next. And, and really what happened was like literally one night, I kind of wake up in the middle of the night, you know, I have a little piece of paper beside me and I go, I love podcasts. I listen to them all the time. I'm hearing more ads. I write down this concept of like, you know, podcast advertising marketplace, go back to sleep, get up in the morning go to my office, type it in to Google. And I go, man, someone's already doing this. There's a company called Advertise Cast. And essentially um, this guy, Trevor, had started this, this marketplace. He's like a, you know, uh, product guy, tech guy, SEO, online marketing type of, um, you know, expert. Hit him up and said, hey, Trevor, like I've, I've thought about getting into this business. Like what's going on? Like how's the business going? And, and basically he got back to me and said, look, we started this thing, got a lot of demand for podcasters to kind of monetize, but you know, we haven't got a lot of traction with advertisers yet. And um, had, had a chat, uh, kind of assessed the situation from my mm -hmm. perspective. And I said, Hey, I think what you need is somebody to come in, kind of figure out, you know, the, the ad sales side of things and really put a process around it. And, you know, my take was that advertisers were interested. They just didn't know what they didn't know. And they'd come in, they'd land on the site. They'd go, Hey, I want to advertise on a podcast, but they'd never done it before. So they had no idea how to do it. They didn't know what the creative should look like. They didn't know what shows to pick, how many shows, how many ads to run the length of the ads, none of it. Right. So what we did is I said, Hey, you know, we seemed to get along, you know, the two of us. And um, we spent probably the latter half of 2017, 
just you know, kind of testing the waters, working with each other, seeing if we got along and seeing if we could make a run at this thing. And basically the business went from, you know, probably uh, t- maybe tens of thousands of dollars that he did in the first you know year or so to several hundred thousand dollars in that next six months. Um, you know, we kind of formalized our partnership and, you know, moved forward with a, with a kind of a real company, uh, in, uh, 2018, um, you know, 2018, I don't remember the exact numbers, but I think it was, you know, three, $4 million. 2019 was I think eight. Um, and then as we got into kind of 2019, 2020, then the podcast, you know, players in the industry started knocking on our door and going, Hey guys, you know, tell us about your company. Are you guys interested in selling? Um, and that, you know, kind of made us think like, well, maybe we should think about this because the industry is at a really, you know, um, it's at a, it's a really great spot. It's growing, you know, nicely. There's a lot of consolidation. Um, and so, you know, we had lots of options and people were banging our door down and, and basically, you know, Trevor and I are both, um, we're kind of bootstrappers at heart. We've never raised a penny, um, either of us in any business. Um, the business was super profitable, which um, is kind of unique nowadays. And um, so we didn't really have to sell. It was more like, you know, people would talk to us and say, Hey, here's our vision. And really our, um, our, our goal all along has been to help, you know, independent podcasters go out, you know, do their thing and actually be able to make a living out of it. And we've got a ton of those stories where people have just come in, had a little side hobby and now it's full time and they're making all kinds of money. And, um, Basically, uh, Libsyn came along, which is one of the longest, you know, standing podcast hosting companies out there. They have, you know, 75,000 podcasts on their platform. They did minimal advertising, had a ton of, you know, podcasts to, you know, that we could kind of tap into. They have the same goal of, you know, working with independents and helping them, you know, be successful. And um, we worked out a deal and, you know, we sold to them about two months ago. And then today we're part of Libsyn and we're, you know, Trevor and I are still here. We're plugging forward and growing the business and things are, things are going great. I mean, very concise, obviously. Uh, I, I'm sure we can, I can tell you're a salesman as, as, <laughs> as well, but very, a very, you know, clear and concise, um, you know, story that brought you here. So I have obviously a, a bunch of questions. Sure. Um, because I think, I think we're similar in the way that, you know, great teams that start and can recognize what they're really, really good at. Um, and then, you know, build a company. I think at the highest point, our company, which is right around now is right around a hundred employees, you know, um, in several continents. Uh, but when we started in that grind, this is what I want to ask you about, you know, you, you get into an industry, which I, I'm in the used machinery industry, used asset business, old school, slow moving, very similar to insurance. So yeah, what was that grind like, right? First, you're selling software to an industry that probably isn't most like very, you know, open to doing things faster or generating more revenue. But mm-hmm. when you do it on an enterprise you know, from an enterprise standpoint, even more difficult because it's a lot more people, you know, a lot more kitchen uh, cooks in the kitchen, so to speak. The process is super slow, but tell me about the grind in the beginning, right? So it's, it's, it's you and a few folks. How many did you guys start with? Yeah. When we did the, um, you know, thinking about the, 
are you talking about the kind of the first company or the kind of spin out company? Which one? The first one. Yeah. Yeah. The first one. I mean, that was a massive, you know, technical lift basically, because, you know, that's a huge system. Uh It was basically a product that ran an entire insurance company from, you know, underwriting to pricing, to claims, to accounting, billing, you know, invoicing, producing documents. Like it was a massive, you know, undertaking. And what we did is we, we kind of went and, and pieced together, okay. you know, all of those solutions over time, over a few years, kind of sold them individually until we had a full package. Um, so that was a very, um, you know, it was a complex uh, product. So it was a lot of like knowledge, a lot of experts, a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, little tiny details that can make or break a big implementation. And essentially it's like, you know, these projects can take months, maybe years to sell and they can take months and maybe years to implement. Right. Um, So because insurance companies, they've got, it's not just that their businesses are complicated. It's that when you put in one of these products into their operation, they need to go back and convert all the old data. Because in some cases, somebody can have a claim that goes back like two years, oh, yeah. right? So you have to have all that information. So you have to convert the data. The right. data is coming from some legacy system. It was, it was wild. So, I mean, it was uh, some legacy system, crazy sure. amounts of detail. You know, what I learned in there was like hugely helpful. Um, like I can talk technology all day what, long. What, what would you say? I've the, never the... programmed a line of code in my life, nor will I ever. Um, so I was deep into like integrations, APIs, you know, XML formats, you know, things like that, that you'd never, you know, get a chance to, 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 to take a look at if you were just kind of on the business side, but being in there, like I was talking Uh integrations with people and, you know, web services and all this kind of stuff that was kind of the technology of the day, you know, 20 years ago. So what would you say, what would you say is in during that time when you were there for about eight years? Um, what did you learn most? I, I, you know, we never really got to, they always say like the first 50, you know, 25 employees, 50 employees, hundred employees. And when you get to like the two fifty, mm-hmm. which I've never gotten to, but what, what did you learn most, um, as a takeaway from the company at a high level, like from a skill set standpoint, right? Cause this was, you basically yeah, came out I of mean, college, right? Into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I, I kind of learned everything um, about, you know, starting, mm-hmm. growing and running a business. But I think the most valuable piece was, uh, most valuable pieces were probably that, you know, Terry, who was the founder, essentially, he's a traditional bootstrapping business guy who likes making a profit. So I learned how to do that, you know, kind of claw your way to profitability. Mm-hmm. And I learned from probably the best sales guy right. I've ever met, you know, how to, how to sell. Um and that is something that, you know, what I learned mm-hmm. is that if you go to market, the best product doesn't always win, um, which is, you know, a, a shocking concept for a lot of, yeah, you know, agree. especially tech, you know, entrepreneurs. They go, I'm just going to build this thing and then people are just going to come and buy it. It's like, uh-uh. I mean, you might, you might get a product that's so good that it sells itself, but you've got to be able to sell. And I even still today i like i actually like yeah. sitting in you know kind of demos you know people trying to sell me stuff and it's shocking what passes for professional sales out there sure um oh it's pretty unbelievable well, listen uh, very much so i mean i 
both had a, a startup prior to this uh, current one that we you know did end up selling, but and I failed. But the thing I you know as an entrepreneur, you're, you're always selling yourself, right? The thing I learned, especially mm-hmm. in moving abroad, as I live in Berlin, coming from the U.S., which it, it, it's it's not. I don't know if it's mm-hmm. under a debate, but they are the best sales you know, organization of the world, right? Like they just understand how to sell, but, but they understand mm-hmm. process. They understand how to scale a sales team and coming to Europe, you know, there is none of that. The salespeople are, you know, all about selling. Hmm. What does the product do? Um, maybe some features and benefits for the ones who are, are mid tier salespeople. Um, and the mm-hmm. irony is, is that, you know, Europe is all about relationships, right? So they, they don't, they don't, um, they don't actually, uh, they don't know how to use like the relationship to leverage the relationships into a process. And mostly every single sales organization that sells software, that's a newer startup in Europe up until probably the last 12 months, maybe 18 months you don't really see very big companies that have scaled across Europe. Now, granted, there's more complexities to that there's different cultures, a lot of different countries. Yeah. Sure. Taxes. Yeah. Tax, all <laughs> these different things. Up, yeah. But, um, there's a reason why, you know, I'd say coffee is one of the most, you know, popular things in Europe. You have a company like Starbucks or Do- Dunkin Donuts that come in and smash the competition. Why? Right. Like mm-hmm. they understand how to deliver experience, they understand how to sell to the customer. Um, you know, living in Germany, especially, I always say this about them. They would be the, the, some of the, the biggest companies in the world if they knew how to sell. Um, they, they don't market. Most companies outside of the big boys, outside of Adidas, you know, the car companies, the telecom, like the mid, mid-sized companies down to the, to, mm-hmm. to the small size companies don't invest at all, rarely, into advertising and marketing. Like they're just starting to, yeah. So I have a you know high appreciation wow. about sales. Um, you know, constantly always trying to learn and get better. Obviously, same as you, uh, listening to podcasts, reading books. Um, but it's an art because it's a skill set. I mean, sure, some people are great at connecting with yeah. people. You know, are you a genuine person? Great, and you're going to work hard. You you can sell. I can help you, right? But um, it's just a skill set. Uh, so, uh, couldn't agree with that. Yeah. No. And we, in, in my, um, and I think the key thing is like, you know, I, I don't know what the stat is exactly, but basically in my, in my second company, um, we met a guy by the name of Mark Cox and his company's called in the funnel. And he came in and he's like, yeah, hey, I think I can help you guys sell. And we're like, come on, man. Like we know how to sell, get out of here. We sat down with him and within five minutes, mm-hmm. he was like telling us things were like, uh, this is interesting. Like, I think we could really, really you know, learn some things from this guy. And then one of the stats that he always talks about is I think it's like, I don't know, 50 or 60 or 70% of like professional salespeople have never read a sales book, you know, never taken a sales course, you know, any of that stuff. And it's just like, it's all about, you know, it's all about like constant learning because just like any industry things change. And like, once we sat down with Mark and like he workshopped a bunch of things with us and we learned some of his, you know, techniques and processes, it was like, I think our sales doubled one year. It was crazy. And, and we're like, well, good thing we got involved with him. Um, and even to today, I still, you know, bounce things off of him and go, hey, I got a problem. What do you think? 
Um, and I read a ton of sales books, listen to a ton of, ton of podcasts about, you know, you know, whatever business, sales, entrepreneurship, everything. Um, so I think the people that are really successful in sales, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, they're good at, you know, building relationships. But I think one of the biggest things is like, you know, a genuine curiosity when, you know, you're on a, on a call with a client and you're asking them questions. And I think that's why when I came into the Mm -hmm. advertising sales, you know, kind of arena, I had zero experience and I started just asking people questions. Hey, what are you doing in your other advertising channels? Hey, how does that work? Oh, TV. Interesting. Well, tell me about the CPM rates in that, you know? Oh, wow. And they're like, I think they think I'm just like putting them on and trying to, you know, be, be a good conversationalist but i'm actually curious because i'm trying to figure out how does our our product offering you know maybe going to work for them um and -hmm. it's like you have Mm -hmm. to be um you know you kind of have to have some humility where people are like hey what about blah 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 and i'm like you know what i don't know but i'll get back to you let me look into that um or you know the worst is when somebody asks a salesperson a question and they start bsing and it's not you know, it just is it's totally transparent, it's totally transparent that they don't know what they're talking oh. about. Um, and, you know, a couple of times they go, all right, send me over. You know, I remember the first couple of weeks they go, okay, send me over an IO. And I go, no problem. I'll get that over to you right away. And I'm like Googling, like, what is an IO in advertising? Then I had to figure out, you know, what it was. And, oh, there's a good template. Let's use that. <laughs> um, you know, we came in with a fresh perspective and just, I think, um, like I said, we were at a, a thirst for you know knowledge. We're curious. We're like actually trying to help people and solve their problems, and that convert that kind of converted to a you know pretty good business. Well, I have a a few quick things. I know we don't have too much longer. Um, one, uh, we're going to get to some rapid fire quick questions. Uh, but the book you have to read that I think will certainly round you out in terms of understanding you know, different cultures and sales is, is culture map. If you haven't read it by Aaron Meyer, it's mm-hmm. phenomenal. She's basically an economist American who lives in, um, in, uh, in Paris and, and grew up her family and she's an economist, but the long and short of it is, is she, you know, on a scale of like communication, Americans are the most low context country, meaning we like over explain things, right? And you have Canada and you have UK and it goes all the way to basically Asian countries. Like Iran is the mm-hmm. most high context uh, communication, but it's really interesting. I think it'll help too. Um, and then also just before I forget, the reason why I actually st- started this podcast was always because I wanted to start, but I love the all in podcast. If you're familiar, um, David Sachs is, mm-hmm. is Yep, I am. That's how I've heard about the <laughs> yeah, <basketball>. the man. <laughs> and you know, I listened to one of his podcasts about from the sales about how to because my next thing we've both done great eight figure businesses, and that next one I think it's you know, it's it's less about the number, more about like I want to be able to deliver that much value, you know. And hearing how he describes like a real mm-hmm. massive sales organization and what you really need, and the the, the very like down to a T of an equation of you have this many sales, you know, BDRs, you have this many account executives. You also need this many, um, uh, uh, sales, sales ops people with that uh, combining with the sales, uh, executive. It's, it's, it's really, really, really interesting. Um, yeah. but, um, yeah, just in terms of scaling. So, all right, let's get to, wrapping it up. Uh, obviously appreciate all the time. So I have like a bunch of questions, but I only asked five. So you can pass if, if it's something that 
you know, it can't answer quickly. <laughs> so the first one probably easy, and I'm sure you have more sure. than one. Sounds like your reader. What's your favorite book and why? I do read quite a bit. Um, and, and, you know, it's hard on the spot to figure out like, you know, favorite books and that type of thing. I read fiction, I read business books, whatever. I would say no rules. if there's one book that just is top of mind for me talking to you here, because I was talking about my kind of a history and, you know, sales and learning and all this kind of stuff. One of the biggest books that is probably, it's not a great read. Like it's, it's a tough read, but I think it had a huge impact in terms of how I thought about sales was is a book called the new strategic selling. And it's like, it's basically like a strategy book for these complex, huge enterprise sales, which, which, you know, selling to insurance companies was exactly that, you know, you'd have 17 people you're trying to, you know, kind of triangulate uh-huh. within the business. And I just think that's one for me, just as I sit here is top of mind, because thinking about the, the good old days of those complex sales. Well, as I've been on your phone, I, on my phone, I already went on to Amazon and ordering yeah, now. Thank you. Um, yeah, 450 pages. So it's not a not a not a, it's a big a, boy. Yeah, sales joke. Yeah. Um, okay. How? Do, let's <laughs> see here. Uh, hardest thing that you've ever done. Doesn't business, personal life, anything you want to share? Oh, I know it's difficult because we've well, probably done about a, a couple. About a, yeah. I'll tell you what the hardest thing. So I grew up playing a lot of sports, played hockey, golf, that kind of stuff. My wife, about 11 mm-hmm. years ago, got me into riding like equestrian and now uh for, for about 11, oh, 11 years um i got into it 11 years ago and, and i do as long as well as she does um competitive show jumping we're just like you know competitive amateur show jumpers and it is that by far the hardest thing i've ever done on any given day the horse might be tired really the horse might okay be too crazy the horse might be looking at something and you know, you might get thrown off. Um, it is extremely difficult. And I know a lot of people watch it and go, oh, how hard can that be? The horse is doing all the work. Okay. It's like, it's like you, you basically practice and compete for a year to move up one level, which is about 10 centimeters in height. So it's uh, extremely, oh, okay. extremely okay. difficult. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, who's your icon or do you have one? Um, now icon, you mean business icon, you know, I don't know what, like, what's the, that's why I kind of left it up to, yeah. you know, I, I didn't want to go directly like, yeah, it's my, you know, my dad or family member or something, but like, yeah, I mean, it, c- it could be someone you've never met. Mine, I mean, cliche is like, you know, Elon Musk, cause I think he's a, a freak. I think he's crazy, but mm-hmm. you know, I've never yeah, met I him. think, um, yeah, I think I, I look up to a lot of, you know, business people, entrepreneurs and, and that type of thing. I'd say if I look at the person who's had kind of the, the biggest impact on my life in terms of, you know, business and just the way I kind of go about, um, you know, my professional life, it's that, that gentleman, Terry Nielsen, I told you about, who was the guy that started that initial that initial business. Like I said, he's a right. f- phenomenal story. He, you know, dropped out of high school. Um, typical, like literally not even, you know, everybody now is like, oh, I dropped out of college, sort of business. He literally dropped out of high school, um, you know, Olympic medalist in sailing mm. and just the, probably the smartest natural business person I've ever met. And still, you know, great, you know, try to keep in touch as much as I can. I don't live in the same city as him anymore, but just a, just an overall phenomenal guy. And 
I've learned so much from them. Awesome. All right, question four. A little bit more difficult. A thing that society believes is true, but you don't necessarily <sighs> believe it's true. Peter, I'll give you an, Peter, you an example. Question, huh? <laughs> yeah, I'll give you an example to, to give you a second to think. So it's like uh, people believe that the higher education that you receive, the more successful you will be. And that obviously means economically, but mm. I don't believe that's true. Yeah, I would say, you know, I'd say it comes back to like two things that, you know, I've kind of done things a bit differently in, in my in my career. I think number one is the, the biggest, I think, um, the biggest thing that a lot of like entrepreneurs kind of hang their hat on nowadays or that you can't grow a business without outside capital or while being profitable. Yeah. I think that's you okay. know, a huge um I think it's a huge problem because then what they just grow at all costs and, you know, most businesses explode when they could have a nice, you know, 10, 20, $30 million business that there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and I think I already talked, I already talked about one of them, you know, it's <laughs> right. that, you know, the best product always wins. It's like, that's definitely not the case. Um, you know, and, and way back when I was in my second company yeah. there, we had a competitor that was fairly close and they had a really good product. And one day we won a big deal from them. We said to the client, like, Hey, you know, what set us apart from the other guys? Like, was there certain features? And this and that. they go, nah, both products are pretty similar. We just like you guys better. <laughs> you know, I was like, okay, there you go. Yeah. Well, tell that to the Germans. <laughs> um, last question would be, assuming you had the economic, you know, all the economic resources today, what, what's the one thing you wish to do? in life um, I don't know um, that's a tough one I mean my life's pretty good so I don't uh, I don't have too many I don't have too many things that I'm like you know dying to do that I don't have the resources to do right now I mean it might be good to have um, you know you know if I if I had you know unlimited you know, financial resources, I would say, you know, frankly, uh, what I've learned is that you can only buy, you know, so many things that, um, you know, kind of make your life a little bit easier. But, you know, in the end, I think a lot of it is, um, you know, putting money to use for good causes, you know, helping people achieve, you know, their, their goals and their dreams, whether it be, you know, helping somebody in business, um, you know, giving them a little head start, whether it be, you know, some kind of charitable, um, you know, donation or program. And I mean, there's certainly lots of people need help out there. So I think if, if there's, if there's anything, you know, if I had, uh, you know, a billion dollars tomorrow, I think, um, a lot of it would be focused on, you know, just doing some more good with the, the resources that I've got. Yeah. Awesome. Well, hey, man, I appreciate the time. It was great to meet you. Um, and yes, Steve, you too. You know, let's definitely connect here. Uh, hopefully, not just on a podcast, but you know, yeah, absolutely. I'm in the states pretty often. So uh, cool. Let's uh, let's try to connect in the future. But thanks a lot. If I'm ever in Berlin, <laughs> well, anywhere in Europe, really, it's it's yeah, super yeah. easy around. It's so so let, let me know, exactly. man. Especially, <laughs> we have to do because we're both going to be starting new companies here. Um, I, I'm probably going to be in, in February, um, riff off some good ideas. Right. So, uh, I, I'd love that if we could do that. Yes, so, absolutely. All right, man. 
All right, man. Thank you very much.